Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Monday. Tishwa behind us. And uh, let me take a look at the Parsha. I'll go in that order. Because um, I don't have the other one figured out yet. And uh, <clears throat> Parsha Veshana, today is being sponsored by a good friend who wishes to remain anonymous. A good friend of mine presently located in Israel. He has in the past been located elsewhere. And he is someone I ask all my Shilas to in a particular field. And with that, I'll leave the mystery guess for you to figure out yourself. Um, but... I do thank him for uh, sponsoring this and for his help when I need it. Now, <clears throat> guidance, Ashay. Now, Pashas um, Bechana is very complicated, of course, and very rich material. But I just want to share one or two ideas. And uh, I'm not sure which order to go to, but I'll go right into it. As we all know, you got the Ten Commandments, this week's Pasha, the second version, you know, Shamar Bezachar. So, one way, to, so why is it different? So first of all, Moshe is telling it over, it's in his words, or am I wrong? If you say, Shomer B'zachar B'dibarecha, then what you're really saying is that whatever Moshe repeated, it, I mean, it says in, in Dvarim, is actually identical with what it said before. And there is, Rashi says something along those lines. It's not words, Rashi over here, where it says, Eilad, let me put it this way. It says, we're in the middle. After the Dvarim Miklot, B'zosa Teresh Yisam Moshev Nebene Yisrael, and Elah misses a chukim and so forth. And what does Rashi say? That th- what we're about to read is the Zos HaTarsha Samosha. Uh, here's my chumish. What we're about to read, uh, one second. Chapter 4 over here. And uh, here we go. Sorry about that. Uh... What's coming up, right? And then it says, <clears throat> after saying, which is a little bit disjunctive because he's giving a whole speech and he switched tone. Then, third person. And Rashi says, So if we take that literally, then even though the words seem differently, but you're wrong. Somehow they're the same. Zachar b'sham b'zachar b'dibarechad. Pashib shato is a Moshe saying it over different. Uh, and I want to examine why in a second. Now, the fact that Moshe says it over different than in Shemos doesn't matter to us theologically, because if it's in the Chumash, then Hashem said like this. Okay, write that down in the Book of Dvarim. Like I told you before, when, whenever we start with the Book of Dvarim, Bechlal, you know, is this Moshe talking? Is Hashem talking? And you know, like their brother and the others work it out. Moshe said it, but then Hashem dictated, you know, the way it should be written, and then that becomes Kobeah for us. So the fact is, you have different words. You have Zachar Shamar. And I'm just using that as a code word because we all know now that things identical. What jumps to my mind are two points. One is Zachar Shamar, and I don't mean the fact that they're different words, but they're different rationales. In, um, in Shmos and in Exodus, the idea of Shabbos is to remember God created the world and rested. And here, it's to remember that you were slaves in Egypt, which is a different concept. 
And now that you're taking a day off, to you know, you should always think that the very concept of a day off is an unbelievable chesed. Because once upon a time, you didn't have that. This, of course, would not go with the medrash. I repeat, a medrash that says that the Jews in Egypt also had a day off, but Pashup Shadda's slaves never get a day off, and therefore now you're having one day in seven, right? Bezachar Taki Ebera Yisabaritz Mitzrayim, Vayosi Achashem El Kech Misham Biyel Chazaka Zoranatuya, Al Kain Sivcha Hashem El Kech Alasa Yamashabas. So, in other words, you, you were a slave, you worked your rear end off now, you're, you're, you have a, you're free, you don't have to do that, and the physical remember, visible reminder of that all the time is on Shabbos. And for the rest of the history of Jewish people, they should always look back to the slavery days as the bad old days, which Hashem took us out of, and you should appreciate every time that you're not a slave by keeping Shabbos. I'm not sure how many people do that. I mean, I'm going to ask you the following question, if you're honest. When you keep Shabbos this coming week, you're going to think about the fact that once you were slaves, I think most people, if they're of the superior type, uh, to then just think of Shabbos as a fressing situation. So they'll say, you know, Vayichulu, um, right? Shabbos That's usually most people. I don't really believe most people in the course of the year think of Vayichanan, that, you know, Al Kain Tzib Hashem El Kechus Yom HaShabbos because once you were slaves in Egypt. That's just an interesting observation I'm making. You know, it's just an interesting observation. Uh, usually, it fits more for our theological bent in modern history of Orthodox Judaism the last couple hundred years to think it's somehow firmer than, you know, more theological to say, you know, uh, that whole vort. Okay? Um, but this one is very direct. You used to be a slave, and now you ain't. Right? Hashem to get Yachazagos Runatu, yes, it says. Al Kain Siv Hashem El Kechalasiyama Shabbos. That's one discrepancy. And the other one, of course, is Lo Sachmod versus Lo Sisave. In the last Pasuk in the Ten Commandments in Vaschan, it says, Lo Sachmod Eshes Riecha, Lo Tisave Beis Riecha. So Deo Avdo Amoso Shorba Hamar Bacholshel Riecha. So use the word Taiva as opposed to Chemda. Now, I'm sure, you know, give me some um, Malbim or Ksava Kabbalah and the Chem does this and Taiva is that. But basically, the word Taiva is easier to understand as more animalistic. Well, I'm thinking, oh, you have Taivas, you know, like that. Now, in other words, it's a more intense Lushan. So why does Moshe deviate in the first Ten Commandments? It doesn't say that. And here it said Lo which halachically, I'm sure I did this last year or two years ago. That's a famous one. You know, halachically means more than low Sachman, I'm not even allowed to want what you have, which is a tall order. Okay, Although in modern consumerism, it isn't really. I never want your car. I want a car like yours. Now, you see, me and my stupid big mouth. Today, with the shortage of cars, I talk, I want your car. <laughs> you know what I mean? There are no new cars coming out. So I talk, I want your car. <laughs> if I see you with a fancy car, I want yours. Get out, bud. Like the squeegee kids. But, uh... Typically, you want a car like yours. If I see your shirt, I don't want your shirt. I want to buy a shirt like yours. I hope I hope that's what it is. Um, so the question, why you deviate? So it just struck me, never thought about before when I was doing Schneidmicker and so forth, that the, it's very interesting, the uh, preface to the Ten Commandments. Because the preface is, 
Israel, and I'm following Rashi on that, and it goes on to be a little more detailed. I mean, you just said Zosa Torah. So, you know, if you're in a sieve, he said, this the lumdus. Get it the lumdus. But anyway, let's put that aside. So, these are the words of Ten Commandments. These, now, we're told a time and a place when he said the speech. So, the place is interesting. Okay, I mean, obviously, I mean, Moshe never got to cross the Jordan into the promised land. Bagai, it was a certain valley. Mul base poor. Really? Opposite base poor. Opposite the church of Balpor. Beret Sichon Melchamari Shabbat Isn't that weird? Moses delivers his address. By the way, his halachic address. His Ten Commandments. I repeat, his Ten Commandments. Not the Shmos ones. Across the street from base poor. Or down the road from base poor. Which is a funny way. Imagine if I told you. Rabbi so-and-so is giving a speech in front of St. Paul's Cathedral, in front of the Vatican. He's like, how are you even talk like that? Right? Mul base poor. Why you got to tell me it's mul base poor? It's interesting, right? And then, of course, he goes on to tell you the Ten Commandments. Now, here's what struck me. Base poor is kind of interesting. And there is a Chazal that says that, as we know, Moshe was buried in this spot. So the spot that he's delivering the Ten Commandments is the spot he will be buried. That's just fascinating. Now, if I was a big rabbi, you could make a nice, you know, uh, drush out of that. Moses is buried in a place where he pronounced the Ten Commandments. You know, I'm sure, give me Ernest and Abish or somebody like that, you know, they could do something with that. But let's go regular, okay? So the Ten Commandments, for some reason, is, is more based for Tamosha chose to, to deliver it there. These are words he uses is his speech. Doesn't say, notice this very well. Doesn't say that Elah Advarim were commanded by God by Moses to say. It's a very important point. What does Navua mean? There's all kind of Navuas out there, all kind of forms. In Akhanami, sometimes Hashem says say something and you're like a messenger boy. True. But sometimes you're like, well, I can't say sometimes you're like Moshe. Nobody's like Moshe, but you know. But if you're Moshe, this speech he gave is something you want to get off his chest. I'll prove it to you. God didn't tell him to say that. <laughs> right? Moshe said, I've had it up to here with you bums, you know. That, that's words from the heart, from the Kishkas, saying, I've dealt with you for 40 years. I've been a pain in the neck since day one. Shine. So Moshe is the one who decides Pashtas to uh, to give this speech of the Ten Commandments, what they call Arvis Moab, uh, here. And you know, if you're one of these Sadigon types, you see the entire Tired Mrs. is contained in this. So it's an important speech. And it's more base power. For some reason, you got to tell me that. It doesn't tell you the latitude and the longitude, but it tells you it's more base power. Okay? So it's opposite to Church of Power. Uh, now, there's a Chazal that says that Moshe is buried there. It's a Medrash Rabbi in uh, Midbar. That Moshe is buried there as a sort of reproach, which is really a Chutas Iris situation. Since he messed up with the Benos Moab, he wasn't able to stop it, and it required the zealotry of Pinchas to put an end to the whole business. 
So this is a major failure in the part of Moshe Rabbeinu. This is not me talking, this is Medrash. Uh, therefore, as a, as an eternal uh, mark of disfavor, I guess, he's buried in Mulbay's part. Um, which means, wow, HaKadosh Baruch is is Don Quixote Sarah. Now, you know, you can always read that. The glass is half full, glass is half empty. You can say, look, uh, look what a screw up he was. He's buried in Mulbay's part, he, he messed up. Or you can say like this, one time at 40 years is pretty good. <laughs> you understand? The guy that gets to the heavenly gates and said like this, way we got you down two times, you said, Lush in your whole life. That's pretty good as far as I'm concerned. So you can say it's half-half. But whatever the case is, Moshe is certainly aware. Let me put it this way. I can justify him, and you can justify him. But a real tzaddik never justifies himself. He's probably very tough on himself. And so... Here we are, 40 years after they left Egypt, and the old generation is gone, but the new generation messed up with the Benos Mov very shortly before this speech is given, correct? Very shortly. Uh, and not only that, to tell you the truth, there are two big failures of Chal Yisrael mentioned at the end of Bamidbar part. And remember, the end of Bamidbar takes you up chronologically to the end. You see? Tvarim is like a recap. If you're talking about chronologically, I mean, until you get to Azino and all that, if you talk chronologically, the story proceeds from the time they have the slavery and the exodus and the Matan Torah and all that, till they march to this point. And the last stories you have are like three. Um, you got your story with the Benos Moab business and Midian. You got the interesting story of the two and a half tribes who want to stay in the Avery Yarding because they're too materialistic. Even the Chazal long ago said, when they said, you know, um, they were more worried about their mikne, about their cattle, than their families. Uh, so, no, there's materialism. Get it? Materialism. And the corruption of materialism. And you know, Moshe Rabbeinu will soon, in the next parasha, say, watch out when you get to Israel, you might be corrupted by the fact, Batim tu mashel you'll have a lot of wealth and luxury fall on your lap, and you'll be, I mean, he doesn't know this. So the, you got your, your Benos Moav Tivis, which is a regular, normal one. You got your. You have to be guard against it. You have the materialism tivis. Again, that's a normal one. And uh, what else? And they have the Benos Slavchat story. I'm not sure how to fit that in. But the two big failures, you know, which really made Moshe blow up was the two and a half tribes. Now I know in the end they worked it out and they made a Tanaikoff one. I get it. But you see, they considered it a real problem. And now. Shortly after those two incidents, he is delivering a speech. And what is he saying in the speech? Is behind him is the place where the Benos Mov happened. So it's very interesting to me. And in that context, he's making uh, two changes, significant changes in the Ten Commandments. And in my opinion, it's just my guess, 
He's influenced by the two big sins that were just committed. I'll go backwards. One is he ups, upgrades Lo Sachma to Lotus Right? Don't have any Tivus. That fits uh, both the Benos Moav and the um, and the two and a half tribes. Because what was going on over there is a Taiva. Either for money or for uh, members of the opposite sex. Um, and he sees Lotachmad isn't strong enough. You better make Lotus Avet. Which, by the way, means, as I said before, it's stronger because Losachmad means you can want it, but don't do anything to implement your wanting it. I might want your wash, but I can't go and steal it. Lotus Avet means I have to train myself not to even want it. So Moshe is saying, that's the only way you can fight against materialism, whether the sexual type or the material or the, or the nechasim type. If you don't train yourself, now it's hard, obviously. I mean, it's silly. If you don't train yourself not to want it, it ain't going to work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The proof is our lives today in America, <laughs> where they throw everything at you in the culture. Meaning, I've said this a hundred times. The modern culture in America is not a vote of but it's it's consumerism. And you're kind of like helpless because just open a paper or go in the, online and they throw one thing after another to you to try to sample, to buy, to rent, whatever. It is a free country and so all you have to do is say no thank you, 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 no thank you. So you try a ham sandwich, try this, try that, try this kind of thing, try that kind of thing, try this Girl, try this guy. No, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you. Guess what? After a while, person gets tired of saying no, thank you. Then they got you hooked. Yeah, then, then they made the sale. Right? Then then it worked. So they know you keep hitting on him, hitting on him, hitting on him, hitting on him. You'll give it in. Only if the person says, no to sever. I have to train myself not to even want it. And I remember even Ezra is it, or maybe it's the Sefer Achinach says that you have to do... Uh, the way a peasant can't even imagine that the princess would marry him. So it's not even Hava made it by him. You see, he doesn't even dream about it. He dreams maybe about the girl next door. Or maybe he's a lecherous guy and he thinks about the married woman next door. He doesn't think about the queen. Right? So I, I think it's even Ezra. He says you have to train yourself that you know you have no no uh, that anything that belongs to somebody else or something like that, something you don't know. Is like the queen to the peasant. No, it's not even shy to you. Why am I even thinking about it? But it's very hard because now with modern technology, they throw this at you and they throw that at you and they throw the other thing at you. And look, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? Now, I'll tell you the truth. When you get my age, it's one thing. What if you're 15 or 20? It's very tough. Yeah, well, it's very hard. And so Moshe is like this. I'm not going to repeat low sach mode. I'm standing next to Mulbase Bar. Not that long ago, the Losachman cracked like a house of cards. As soon as those girls showed up, boom. And next thing you know, by you, by Mason, by my gay and by So I'm telling you, Lotis Ave. Right? Lotis Ave. And, um, Base Recha Sadi, Avodo, Amoso, Sorochamor, Choshe Recha. To me, that's a very striking. Um, difference and distinction and as far as changing the Shabbos thing is concerned 
So I was wondering about that, but um, perhaps, I don't want to sound homiletical, but perhaps he's, he's trying to, um, to say over here that if you don't appreciate the fact that you were once slaves and they got you out of that, it will be harder to resist all these temptations like the Benoist Moven, like the Gidra, Son of the Two and a Half Tribes, all the rest of it. Because resting on, by, by Yom Hashish, that's philosophical. That's theological. It doesn't have much shaykhah to the average person. They say, God rested on the seventh day. No, so what? You know, right? They say, oh, what do you mean? Yeah, I get it. You know, and just to play from, he'll say, oh yeah, sure. But really, you think, so what? Tell a kid, Who's not really turned on to learning something again? But Yom show us right now, us. And, <laughs> right? And, on the other hand, if you say to somebody, you know, uh, the good Lord got you out of a bad situation. Um, once upon a time you were slaves and God took you out. So you owe him. That's a little easier to, to comprehend. That's like Avodim Mayinu in the Passover Haggadah. It's not the first thing that jumps to somebody in our era because nowadays people are trained to be ungrateful. You know, that's part of the consumerism, the me, me, me. But the notion that you owe somebody for doing you a favor and getting you out of a bad situation is easier to comprehend. <clears throat> that's what I think. It's easier to comprehend. And so, you know, let's put it this way. Uh, you know... Uh, Let's say somebody made it uh, clearly through the Holocaust and you had no, no, uh, whole family survived. So he goes, you know, you guys are really lucky. A lot of people got killed. You didn't get killed. The good Lord looked after you guys. You owe him one. That's an easier way to explain things than to say to somebody theologically, you know, there's Echad and there's a, and <laughs> like Rashi says, what do you call it? The only she show us by Yenavash means God introduced the concept of Shviso, because after all, he did not really rest on the seventh day. If we say that if he didn't want it to keep existing, it wouldn't, it wouldn't exist. You know, that's, like I said before, that's a fine line of distinction. That's already a fine point of theology. And I think it's much harder <coughs> to get people to go along. So, I think if it's either the way I'm saying or something like that, <coughs> then all this is being done under the influence of Mulbay's poor which to me is very uh, striking, right? The Torah is given in the land of Sichon. <laughs> That's what it says. Ber Sichon Mel Chamori. And it's given Mul Beis Poor. So, I guess, Moshe is saying, think of all the people who died as a result of the Beis Poor. <coughs> That's sin. And therefore, I tell you, lo tisave, and I also tell you, be better on Shabbos. Uh, you know, the, your, the group he was talking to, their parents had been slaves, uh, have the right amount of uh, gratitude. That's what strikes me. Now, I want to tell you something else. <coughs> so happened, I was looking around to try to get a better handle <coughs> on this base poor, but I didn't like what I saw. But meanwhile, he led to B and B led to C, and I was looking at the Arcadia Sea, there's a very interesting passage here which first I saw in the modern edition, but then I'm looking inside, I found the real edition. And in Parshas Vashana, and you know, he's always very philosophical and theological, that is who he is. And 
when he talks about Lahorish Goyim Gadol Matsumi Mekov and Hashem Elkim Enon Belvado and so forth, he says that, you know, you see God is uh, going out of his way to preserve the Jewish people. And the uh, before I proceed, the Akedisiasic, the Bal Akedis, they call him in the rabbinic world, was in the 15th century in Spain, not long before 1492. And so his ideas, you know, 15th century, and there was a, a, a time of tremendous persecution, or better yet, pressure on the Jews. Um, there were a lot of Mishumadim who formerly had been Jewish and had converted, wrote all kinds of books against Judaism. Notice the upshot Judaism from within, using Jewish sources, and people read them. And you can see in his speech here, because the Akedis Yisikar, the speeches he gave, he's trying to respond to them. And one of them has to do with the classic Christian argument, which is that you've been in Gaul so long, it ain't changing. God has despised you Jews and rejected you for rejecting Jesus. Long ago, that's why you've been in Gaul. So the Jews then say like this, no, no, it's temporary. It's got nothing to do with Yashka. It's got to do with other things, our own sins. And we're going to have a gulo sooner or later. And the Christians say, are you crazy? It's a thousand years now. Give me a break. And the Jews say, no, 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 it's still there. And on that, I see he has several interesting references, uh, theological references back to the Christians. This shows you the level of Jewish rhetoric in 15th century Spain, in Castile, where he lived, a super Catholic environment. And on the one hand, he's talking about, and so forth. And he's talking about that Hashem will one day redeem you, and so forth. And in this context, he says, this is just like a history book. That this Taina, which I'm about to read, is a good answer to those who try to bring us shame. Those the Christians. Especially our attackers, or adversaries from the Christian population. Because they say God's not going to redeem you. Uh, it ain't happening. Ask the Christians even the Shittosom that Yashka came to save the world from the sins that people committed beforehand. Right? How many people perished? Because according to Christianity, Yashke came to save the people from the original sins. So a lot of people were, were doomed until he came and saved them. And uh, even though they were righteous, starting from Adam Rishon down to Amritzig and Yaakov and so forth. Until they were saved from hell by Jesus. So wait a minute. Thousands of years. No, it's Lishitoschah. When does Christianity start? Let's say for argument's sake around the year one. And how, when was Adam and Eve? You know, back in the, according to biblical calculations, you know, what, what I don't know, 3000 BC, something like that. So, it's what he called um, 3760, if you want to get exact, um, BCE. So for more than 3,000 years, 3,500 years, things were going wrong until God at his mercy sent Yashka. So in other words, 3,000 years a lot longer than we Jews have been in exile. 
איך יתנו על עם השם המחקה בשיבל הגוף או קצת שמאל מלבד בעוד פני אדם וכיח מהן. Or, you know, שיבל is much shorter. Okay? So don't say that the fact it takes a long time proves the truth of your religion. But then he goes on to make an even bigger speech. He said, Don't think about the fact it takes Hashem a long time to do things. Uh, and the fact that they're going to do a lot of bad things and that God doesn't punish them. We, we Jews have to be grateful in a certain way to the Christians and the Muslims. Because at least they're not fulfilling the ancient paganism of which the Torah tells us then in the time of the Chumash, the Goyim were into human sacrifice, idol worship, and all this kind of business. Ever since the rise of Christianity and later to Islam, they've li- the Goyim liberated themselves from the old paganism with the human sacrifice and everything else. Um... Because they were makabal the divrei Torah neviim alidim mishichem aleim, they accepted the Torah. They didn't understand it. They didn't understand the way we do, but they understood the basics of the Torah through their Messiah. Uh, that's his words. Im kishi galub befeir Hashem panim shalom levesinai. Even though they weren't a harisinai, therefore they don't want to do their magala Torah panim b'tor shalakalocha. They do not really understand the Old Testament, which is of course the case. Mikol mokam mixas ikareha. But some of it they can't not notice. And so let's put it this way. The reason the Christian Muslim don't do human sacrifice, for example, to pick one, is because even if you're not a Bucky and Yud Gimel Mido shall turn the direction of a hand, it's pretty clear in the Chumash that Hashem doesn't want you to go and do human sacrifices. And I help, so help me. I consider this the most supreme example of divine providence on the Jews. That God has designed this in, in our goals that we should be among two monotheistic religions. Since Hashem designed designed it that we should um, be in a long goals because of our own sins and to purge them. Right, that's our problem. So I'll, 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 I'll use my words. Why was it that Hashem didn't arrange that the Claudius all should go into Gullus in the Far East, in India and in China and those kind of places? Could have been. He said, because then we would have picked up the Avodah because they mamash into Avodah Literally a paganism in those countries. And the Jews would have picked that up in Ochem you see, then, then nobody would be religious. Because we Jews do not have a good record when we're in the proximity of people who are idol worshippers. Are we must be on them or are they must be on us? The answer is they must be on us. That's just who we are. It's it's a shame, but that's what it is. She'im niyat hazman hazeh ha'aruch b'ne umas ha'shohoilav shnim omdim esvah ha'shamayim v'shara v'ras and nachrios If we would have been among the pagans asher lo shom with shem ha'toral his v'ras kvodad they have no concept of the Torah at all. Like I say, the Far East, you know, years ago, Jews would have been totally assimilated, one, two, three. Okay? That 
uh, many Jews lost their um, understanding when they're in Babel. Like you look in some place in Daniel's Nehemiah. So the Bala Kedah says like this, in my opinion, Hashem did the refuel before the Maka, meaning before the Jewish people went into exile, Hashem created the Christianity, which should over the course of time take over so much of the world. So when the Jews are living wherever they're living, it'll be in a place where all the Goyim, who have no Shaykh's Yiddishkeit, now do. Everybody in the world, Africa, Asia, wherever, wherever Christianity spreads, will know about Avram Yitzhak Yaakov, they'll know about the Chumash, they'll know about Marmon Sinai, Adam Bechab, and all that kind of stuff. See, even if they don't get exactly all the things right, but the basics they will. There, the Torah, meaning the Chumash. So you do venerate the Chumash. And it leads to its acceptance by most of the Goyim out there. Even if they don't get it right exactly. And then the Muslims, in a signal in Acher, do the same thing. They don't accept the Chumash, but they accept the Quran, which is a knockoff. And those are the two religions that the Jewish people have found themselves 95%, 98% exiled ever since the Korban, the Christians and the Muslims. In such a culture, then it's not possible that the Torah won't survive among the Jews because it survives among the Goyim. They know the Bible. You see? Because since they see the Christians, for example, are Mechab the Torah, they agree it is grandeur, they just don't agree with us in its exact interpretation. We Jews can see how their shots in understanding the Chomsh is ridiculous. So, uh, therefore, it, it remains in our hands without a problem. What he's really saying is the following. This is a grand historical sweep. You know, today, A, B, C. Think about what I'm about to say. Uh, period A, period B, period C. We're now in C. Period A. Long ago, when the Jews were among the Obedee of the Zorah, it was a disaster. Everybody, All the Jews went off the derech to go after the Obedee of That's the story of the Tanakh and everything. That you and I both know the story that they had to pray to get rid of the Yetzirah which basically means in time Ezra Nehemiah they said we give up <laughs> right right? we give up it doesn't work we 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 gave it our shot it doesn't work I mean theoretically it could work you can overcome there were some tzaddikim there were but not Ruba de Ruba okay so that's period A then comes period B when the Jews for thousands of years thousand years found themselves as helpless, despised minorities among the Christians, among the Muslims. You don't find in the Middle Ages, for example, or those centuries, there was some big tithe on the part of the Jews to switch to Christian, or some big tithe of the Jews in the Middle East to switch to Muslim. It's not so. The only time you had any large-scale conversions is when there was a pogrom or something like that. You know, it was a force. Ordinarily, a Jewish family could live in a Catholic country, and did in small numbers, and the kids would grow up Jewish and have no time to go and switch to be Catholic. So contrast that with had it been pagan, then they would have. Now I'm going to go to period C. In the last hundred fifty years, Christianity has broken down 
as the dominant force in Western culture. And now we're to, in a certain, I'll call it atheism. You know, you know what I mean, right? Let's call it like that or, or something else. Agnosticism. The Jews are falling for that right and left. You understand? They're falling right and left. Matter of fact, the yeshivas, everything is scared. That's why they try to batten down the hatches and, and uh, you know, try their best to not the kids should not have exposure to this stuff because they're scared to death. When they'll see all this secular business, uh, they'll fall for it. Okay? We're working 24-7 to try to create a parallel culture, you know, to, 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 to head that off. They didn't work 24-7 in the Middle Ages to try to create some kind of parallel structure that kids should not be tempted to go into Christianity. They, they felt a certain intellectual and, and theological contempt for the approach of Christianity. It's a misreading of the scriptures. And same thing for Islam. Oh boy, a lot of that. They just read the words of Maimonides. But when you have something that's not that, so what does A and C have in common that B doesn't? B was Mahshib the Torah in their way. Okay, Mahshib the basic stories of the Torah. A and C don't know about the Torah different than Mahshib them. That's what the Kedis Yitzhak means. And so the Bonshon created, according to him, Christian and Islam, or let's put it this way, he arranged that the cholesterol just before the Golas, that these things should pop up, and the Jews should be living in these situations to ease, as it were, you know, the, the um, what's the right word, the survival of the Jews as Jews. Uh, it's a very un- uh, unusual, original kind of outlook, different than that of the Rambam, perhaps somewhat similar, uh, from the Akedis Yetzirah and Parshish Vashanah. Oh, I see. I went very long. Okay. Once again, I want to thank our uh, anonymous uh, sponsor, currently located in Israel in the north. And uh, I thank you all. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.com support.rabbidavidkatz.com